homily for the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time. February 19th, 2023. St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. Jesus could have made it easy on us with a slight rewording of the last line in today's gospel. Do the best that you can, and your heavenly Father will supply the rest. Or, do as well as the next guy, and that will be enough. Instead, we hear something very different, somewhat jarring. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The reason why this throws us for a loop is that perfection seems so far away when we are humble and reasonable about our human condition. I intend to be faithful and moral tomorrow, but I am not going to be sinless. I will stumble and fall, and I will need God to help me. I'm not saying what I'm about to say to make excuses, but it's helpful to remember that the Greek word translated as perfect also means complete or full. In this sense, those who are perfect depend on the gifts of Christ and allow him to satisfy them. When they have the Spirit of God, they have all they need. Then examining one's conscience is not only about keeping score, but evaluating where God was active in every moment of our lives. One who relies on the Holy Spirit to be filled takes seriously the call to be holy, that is, set apart for the specific purpose of proclaiming the glory of God. Let's take a careful look at a couple of ways that Jesus challenges us to be holy. The axiom, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, sounds fierce, but it was actually a method of restraint. Once upon a time, if you caught someone in the act of stealing one of your sheep, for example, it was customary to steal five or ten of whatever animals he raised as retaliation and to teach a lesson. Through the instruction given by Moses, God sought to show the Israelites that this was a selfish implementation of justice. Instead, Moses said, Let your retaliation only equal the offense, an eye for an eye, or else the other guy may respond with even more vengeance. And then where does it end? Who decides that the matter is closed? As the old saying goes, the whole world would go blind. This rule to which Jesus refers was an advance in compassion for its time. But it does not embody the way of perfection. Jesus then goes on to say, Offer no resistance to injury. Wow, that's a hard one. When I am mistreated or insulted, what's my instinctive reaction? I can't let this go. I'm going to come out swinging figuratively, or maybe even literally. But isn't that what will always happen? And what will change in the end? Jesus doesn't tell us to run away and hide. We are to stand our ground, but not copy their violence and bloodlust. We are not to give away our freedom by falling into the same old trap. If we love only our friends... This may feel meritorious, but we are imitating the worst classes of men. There is another way, a nobler way to behave. But I say to you, 
Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The Church of Christ has always had her share of enemies. We don't relish this. We don't sit around and draw up a top 10 enemies list. But we've come to learn that standing up for Jesus of its own accord produces enemies. Some of the church's enemies have come from within, notorious heretics who spread mistaken teachings and refused to take them back. Then there were those like Attila the Hun, who threatened to sack the city of Rome and had no desire to spare the churches. Thank goodness that Pope Leo the Great met him outside the city and convinced him and his army to turn back. Even here in America, back in the mid-19th century, a short-lived political party who went by the name Know-Nothings, that was their response when questioned about alleged mischief, fomented mob violence against Catholic immigrants in the Northeast. That's to say nothing of the wickedness of Mexican government officials, at whose hands many martyrs suffered horribly because of the socialist, atheistic government that came to power in the 1920s. Whenever one loves the Lord Jesus above all else, hatred from the world cannot be far behind. The question remains, how did Jesus respond to those who declared him their enemy? And how should we respond? Jesus engaged in verbal confrontations when they arose. Count how many times you find phrases in the Gospels like, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you frauds. No shrinking violet was he. But do you remember the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane when Peter cut off the ear of the high priest's servant? Jesus ordered that the fracas come to a stop and healed the man's ear. And the very next day, as the nails held him fast to the cross, he managed to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus never changed his tune in order to convert these self-professed enemies. But neither did he label anyone as his enemy. All who were thirsty could come to him and find living water to drink. Abiding by the Lord's directions involves a moral firmness. As disciples of Christ, we will not scurry out of the way, but will stand steady and upright in the storm. We are to seek not to destroy, but to forgive those who trespass against us. We are to model, however imperfectly, the love and forgiveness God extends to us. We are to avail ourselves of that love often in the confessional, acknowledging that Jesus does not withhold his mercy from us, as long as we approach him with contrition and a desire to do better. We know that we can be hard to love sometimes. We know also that there are people in our lives who are hard for us to love. But the example of Christ spurs us on to love not only our favorites, but our enemies too. We Catholics have been given the fullness of the means of salvation. One of my friends likes to refer to it as having all the tools in the toolbox. 
and when one puts these many tools into effect, especially love for the Eucharist, we have the greatest reassurance there is, the greatest reassurance there is, that God's mercy will remain with us, even unto death. Last Sunday, we showed a video from the Diocese of Fargo previewing this year's God's Gift Appeal. In just a few days, most of our households will receive a mailing inviting you to take part. Today, I'm going to follow up on Bishop's video message by directing your attention to a few specific programs that your contributions make possible. Think of people seeking reconciliation from the Lord and requesting a marriage annulment. They need to have the reassurance that the Diocesan Marriage Tribunal is properly funded to do its work. Whatever decisions they render have nothing whatsoever to do with who is requesting the annulment or what's in their bank account. My contribution helps to support this important work of reaching out to divorced Catholics so that they can find the healing Christ offers to them. Think of the Catholic college students who come to our two flagship universities in our diocese each year. There are hundreds of young men and women who have found a spiritual home away from home at the Newman Centers in Fargo and Grand Forks, as well as through Catholic student clubs provided through the parishes of other college towns like Wapaton, Mayville, and Valley City. These students have large bills to pay. They have not yet made money of their own to speak of. They rely on us to team up with them through our God's Gift Appeal pledges so that they can return the favor for the next generation. Think of the young men who have taken the bold step of discerning a call to the priesthood. Out of all the different options that the world extends to them, and all the empty promises it peddles, they have chosen to enter the seminary and allow a formation team to examine them, body, mind, and soul, up and down, inside and out. They have taken the courageous step of renouncing the world's hatred of the gospel of Christ in order to listen carefully to his call. In some cases, even facing resistance within their own families. The pastor you have here at St. Mary's in 2043 or 2053 is benefiting now from what you give to the God's Gift Appeal to receive a fine education. For those who prefer to donate online, there is a secure way to do so through the website fargodiocese.net. We also encourage you to consider a pledge covering several months as a way to stretch your giving beyond what you might be inclined to do in a one-time gift. However you choose to do it, we are most grateful for your generosity. Maybe this will be the first time you have donated, or maybe you have gotten out of the habit in recent years. Our goal for St. Mary's Parish is $74,395. The God's Gift Appeal will be successful if you are a part of it. Amen.